The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITO Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITO coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all of the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayRx. You can find them at www.slayrx.com. SlayRx is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayRx was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes, and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayRx offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products, and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legally enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gels, try SlayerX Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running, and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2020 at checkout on their website, and you'll get 10% off anything you purchase there. That's SlayerX.com, Pleasant2020. Test, don't guess, with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast possible. Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Patrick Ollinger, also an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Michelle Frank, also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. We got the whole crew here. We got Michelle in her closet. We got Patrick in his office, which is adorned with all of his Boston finishing medals, which you can see in the background of his Zoom face here. So uh, social distancing, as always, and excited to be with all of you. Um, how y'all doing? Quick, quick fun fact there, George. I don't know if you recognize one of the bibs behind me, uh, the Chicago one, but it's actually yours. I don't know if you remember. I, I threw mine away or lost it, and so then I asked to borrow yours in 2017. <laughs> it doesn't you say anywhere on there that it's George Darden. 
But, yep, that's actually your Chicago bib up there. Good to know. I had no idea. So, so yeah, I've, I've been seeing that behind you over your shoulder here for the last several Zoom calls and didn't realize that was actually my number, A1159. Because so no one would ever know unless they're like, I want to look up the results based on that bib number for my office. But now everybody will know. Now everybody will know. Yeah, fine. So. Good story. <laughs> um, I, uh, it's funny. I put my, my Chicago marathon. So in my workout room, I have like these big framed posters of the major races I've done. So I have Kona and then I have the, the finisher medal from Kona hanging on that. And then I have New York and I have the finisher medal from New York hanging on that. And then Chicago, since the race didn't go well for me, I put it behind me so that when I'm actually, you know, on the treadmill or on the bike, I can't actually see it. The problem is I've been doing these virtual workouts on Trainer Road, which is kind of like combines Trainer Road and Zoom. And so my face is on the camera. And then when my face is on the camera, of course, what can I see behind me but my okay. Chicago poster? <laughs> so I might have to, if we, if we continue to do a lot of virtual workouts here, I might have to rethink my, uh, my, my setup of my workout room even further. So, um, how you Motivation, doing, Motivation, if you will. Yeah. How you doing, Michelle? I'm doing pretty good. Um, went back to the track for a workout this morning for the first time in, I don't know, five, six weeks. It's been a while. Can't believe how long it's been. So there was nobody out there. Went a little bit later than usual. So it was daylight by the end of the workout. That was super exciting. It's mm -hmm. a whole different feel running in daylight. Um, so <laughs> otherwise, had some tough school at home days this week with the kids. But, you know, just each day, one day at a time. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I I was telling somebody, I think I was telling Patrick this a couple of weeks ago too, that, that you know, I'm, I'm no better at being a substitute teacher in my house for my children than anybody else is for theirs, even though I've been an educator for 23 years. Um, but there are a couple of things that I feel like I have that other people don't have. And one of the things that I have is I recognize from all the years I've been a teacher that some days you just kind of have bad days. And some days you plan well and you work hard and just you have a bad day and you have to kind of brush it off and go on to the next day. And sometimes you have whole bad weeks and you just kind of have to brush it off and go on to the next week. And so, yeah, we've definitely had plenty of bad days here, but, but we've been able to kind of keep trucking. Yeah, we uh, skipped today completely with my kindergartner. She wasn't <laughs> having it and she was very happy doing 87 other things and the word school just set her off. So mm -hmm. I just uh, let her do her thing. So. She's going to have missed a lot more than one day of me teaching her by the time these kids get back to school. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. My today is Earth Day. Uh, you know, it's, we're recording this on Wednesday night, April 22nd. And so we did a bunch of Earth Day things, uh, scavenger hunts and leaf rubbing and, and things like that with my two six year olds, my two kindergartners. So um, and I feel perfectly fine about that. So um, other things we've been up to lately, we were actually talking about it just before we came on. There was a whole bunch of people in our orbit here that did the Yeti 24 challenge or 24 hour challenge. Um, and I've seen a lot of people doing these sorts of things here, but um, on a Zoom hangout on Thursday morning, at the very end of the call, somebody who's on the call, and there was only about a dozen on the call, said, hey, why don't y'all, some of y'all do this, this 24 hour challenge that, that I'm doing this weekend. And I said, why don't you put it on the ITL Athletes Facebook page? He puts it on the ITL Athletes Facebook page. Within 24 hours of him first mentioning it on that Zoom call, about 35 people that we know had signed up for this 24-hour challenge. Um, it involved running five miles six times, five miles every four hours over the course of 24 hours for a total of 30 miles. Um, and uh, yeah, 
30 plus people signed up for it. A lot of them had never even done marathons and they're signing up for, for, for this 30 mile challenge here. Uh, and with the exception, I think of me, uh, just about everybody finished it. I, uh, I signed up for it and I started, I did the 12 midnight run. I did the 4 a.m. run. And, uh, and, and I decided that my hamstring that had bothered me during the LA marathon was not going to hold up for the whole thing. And I could potentially injure myself long-term and without having chiropractic care and massage therapy, uh, at my disposal right now, it was probably not a good idea for me to continue on. So I stopped after only 10 miles, but, um, yeah, I, w I was struck by it. Michelle, you and I were talking right before we came on here, just how quickly the whole thing exploded. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, first of all, I think when I logged on Saturday night, what the heck happened and how did I <laughs> miss what happened over the last 24 hours. Um, once I saw people oh, well. running at midnight, I just kind of assumed if it was something happening after 8 p.m. and before 4 a.m., people wouldn't even ask me because I probably would be sleeping. But I guess I'm so curious. I mean, what do you think is the appeal for three dozen people signing up within 24 hours? And then everybody's off and running just a few hours later. Yeah, I, well, I think that, and I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, what Patrick has to say about it too. But you know, these are a bunch of people who who normally these do aren't races. Are marathoners? Like no, these they're aren't not. People who... <laughs> no, definitely not. Most of them were marathoners or Ironmans, uh, and so most of them had, had had run definitely long distances and done long events. Most of them are people who are who are pretty fit. You know, obviously, uh, there are people good. who had, had had plans for 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 races this spring and or this summer and fall. Um, but yeah, these are not necessarily people that would normally say, "Oh, a thirty mile race or a thirty mile challenge." Let me let me actually sign up for that. Um, I think it's to me. I think among other things, it's testament to how much people are looking for an event right now, and not only a place to test their fitness and to challenge themselves physically, but also just the communal aspect of racing. Um, I feel like people are just missing that right now. And, and to have this opportunity to, you know, we got together, everybody together on Zoom right before um, everybody started. And so like at, like at midnight, we got everybody together. It's like, all right, good luck, everybody go have fun. And everybody goes off and runs, right? And then a few of us even hung out afterwards after people got back. Um, you know, and then at 4 a.m. we did the same thing at a.m. And I think people just, they, they, they're missing that sort of shared experience around physical activity and physical challenges. You know? Yeah, I think when it was said and done and I realized everyone just ran 30 miles in 24 hours, it wasn't so much that I wish I'd run 30 miles, but I kind of felt like if you missed out, you missed out on the camaraderie of it. For sure. So, but I guess that's kind of what we're all craving right now. For sure. Patrick, what do you oh, think? No doubt about it. I don't think it's a coincidence that it started on Facebook and that's where it took off, right? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it really was a, a social event more so than like an athletic event, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um and it, it, to your point, like we don't have shared races right now. We also don't have shared workouts right now or even like shared like live sporting events or like, mm -hmm. you know, moments like the Masters or the Grammys or the Oscars, you know, events we can talk about um, with our friends. And in a way, I think this Yeti Challenge gave us that um, kind of bonding uh, topic to talk about, that medium where we could share with, our pe with other people, with our friends even more specifically because it's people within our group. So I, I think that's probably the biggest factor is just the fact that it was such a socially driven event. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was fun to be part of. I mean, you know, I ultimately ended up being able to take part in it without actually having to do any of the running. So, you know, some <laughs> might say that, that I had sort of the, uh, the ideal situation, but yeah. um, we wrapped it up after the last run. Several of us hung around for a while and played trivia, which I summarily dominated. Um, but 
besides that, let's move on. Nerd. Um, <laughs> um, uh, a, uh, a word, I, so I don't know if, uh, if y'all have been reading a lot of the stuff in Outside Online and Sweat Science and stuff like that, but um, Alex Hutchinson had an article in there the other day, and of course, he was talking about um, uh, how he went out for a tempo run and about how his tempo face fell off and it felt very, very hard. Um, and, and he described something that we've kind of mentioned before, but of course he couched it in terms of research and reference and studies and all that sort of thing. Um, and I think it's just kind of worth mentioning very quickly here. Um, he said that, that all of us right now, um, given just the news, but also given the extra strain and stress we're under having to, you know, work with our kids at home and, and work from home and trying to adjust to new routines and that sort of thing are under more mental stress than we normally are. And of course, mental fatigue makes physical efforts feel harder. Now, Michelle's shaking her head because as she said before, you know, she actually is sort of made for the quarantine life, I guess. But, but, uh, but, but a lot of us are, are under a lot of strain and stress. And, and you might well feel that when you're actually doing uh, a lot of your workouts. And so if you feel as if you can't quite hit your paces, if you feel just kind of worn out and, and, and all that sort of thing, that's perfectly normal. And, and research has shown, and we've talked about it at great length on this podcast before, about how if you're mentally tired, you will feel physically weaker uh, when you're actually doing doing workouts. So, um, so I don't tend to disagree with Alex Hutchinson. I think he's a great scientist and a great writer. But I mean, we also might just be a little bit more out of shape than we think we are or than we want to be or than we would be if we had continued training from the point that we were six weeks ago up until now. But none of us have any races to train for. So even though we're still fit maybe we're just not as fit as we would normally be this time of year or as we want to be so tempo pace might just be dialed back a little bit i don't know maybe it's a combination i, I think it's an excellent point i think you're totally right that that you know when you, when you don't have the race on the calendar you just you just turn down the dial just a little bit you know you just pay a little bit less attention to those big things or to those small things um and so so yeah i think that's probably true as well and then if your house is anything like mine I'm having a lot more home cooked meals right now. And by home cooked meals, I mean like rich meals that are very nice and we enjoy it. It's like having a restaurant in our house every day. But, um, but yeah, I'm definitely not as felt and lean as I was at the time of the LA marathon on, on March 8th. Patrick, what were you going to say? Yeah. And I was going to say, I think there's definitely something to be said for, um, you know, a lot of folks being under, you know, additional, you know, mental or emotional stress right now in a way that's kind of unique, right? Usually when we think of a stressful event, it's just that it's an event, right? It's something that's lasts a day or a week or a weekend. But this has kind of been something that's always been hovering in the background, almost like a low hum that's barely audible, but it's just always there kind of tapping at your ear, so to speak. And I, I think that could definitely, I mean, that could definitely wear on people, especially if someone has, you know, a, a job where, people are being let go or, you know, they're having to change their jobs, you know, due to the circumstances. And just like we talked about before, and as, as Alex has talked about many times before, you know, the brain and the body are definitely connected. I mean, when you're mentally or emotionally tired, you know, that's going to affect how you run. That's going to affect how motivated you are to kind of give that a effort, as you mentioned. So it's all kind of tied together. And I think kind of one of the points he wanted to make as well, not just from a scientific perspective, but just from kind of a personal, like functional perspective is, there's something to be said for giving yourself a break right now. Say like, look, if my tempo pace is, let's just say 730 usually, forgive yourself for going 750 or 740. You know what I mean? And just take the win and, <laughs> and move on. So uh, I really enjoyed that article. I, um, I think he's obviously kind of one of our go-tos uh, for 
for the latest scientific um, kind of news and kind of his reporting on the latest research. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a rather kind of profound article. And it's also helpful to see someone like him who's clearly so motivated, who was almost a sub four minute miler as a collegiate, someone who's clearly very motivated, you know, someone you don't question their effort level, who kind of gives us a little bit of, of a, an excuse or um, the right to say, hey, you know what? Now's not the time to be hard on myself if I can't quite keep up the pace. Mm-hmm. And it makes and you feel like you're not alone. Yeah, it yeah. makes you feel like you're not alone in it. And I think that's one thing we talk about a lot on here is that, you know, if, if, if you're feeling a little beaten up and run down and not happy about the state of the world right now and that's, that's affecting your training, it's okay. You're not alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. So speaking of events and all that sort of thing, we uh, I posted an article on the uh, the Facebook page. I shared an article about uh, about cycling um, and saying that they have the new dates posted for the Tour de France. And incredibly, the the UCI, the International Governing Body of Cycling, right now, and we don't need to talk about it all that much because I know that neither one of y'all are cycling fans. But but they're kind of almost taking a page out of the world marathon majors playbook. And they're basically saying, okay, we're going to put off the tour to France by about a month and a half or so. And then we're going to run the, the, uh, this tour of Spain after that, then the tour of Italy, which is usually May after that. And then all of the single big one day races we normally have, we're going to put all of those in the tail end of the year. And so they're like not willing to give up on any of their races, at least not right now, at least not in word. They're saying they're going to basically backload the whole back half of the, uh, the, the year of 2020 and just do every single race just at these bizarre times. So not sure whether that's going to happen, but, but, but we'll actually see. One thing we also, safe? so go ahead. What'd Is you say? that even safe for the cyclists? I mean, can they do that? Can no. they go back, back to back? I mean, uh, from, from a physical point of view or from a COVID-19 point of view? From a, more from a physical point of view, even if COVID-19 wasn't an issue. Yeah, so, so the, the, the best I can say is that um, two things about it. Number one, it's, it's safer or at least it's more doable. That's probably a better way of saying it. It's more doable in cycling than it is in running because cycling, as long as you're not crashing, doesn't beat you up as much. Um, right. And so, and, that, and that's the reason why, you know, the Tour de France, it's this massive race every single day for, for three weeks in a row. Now, can somebody perform really well in every single one of those races? Absolutely Unlikely. not. Unlikely, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they'd just be totally tired. But it's, in terms of like, would it create like long-term adrenal fatigue and overtraining and all that sort of thing? I think they'd probably be okay. Um, the, the other thing about it though, and is that cycling and I think this actually is, is underlying the, the UCI's announcement. Cycling fetishizes suffering more than any other sport. Like, <laughs> like, That's like so unattractive. It, yeah. I mean, and, well, I mean, <laughs> think about, you know, we've talked on here a lot of times about the Sufferfest. That's the name of the actual, you know, training platform that I and several other, you know, hundreds of thousands of people use uh, that's owned by Wahoo. Um, you know, they, they, they literally say that, you know, in, in there's glory and pain and suffering and ugliness. And if you, if you hear about like, like running, people don't talk about the pain and ugliness and suffering and grueling nature of running. Like people tend to focus instead on the more positive aspects of running, including us. Um, and, and cycling, they tend to talk about suffering and grueling and dying on the bike and wrestling with your machine and all of these things like that. Um, and so if it sounds like awful and terrible, Cycling is here for it. They're all in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, so speaking of other events, though, uh, the Berlin Marathon, which, of course, I was, uh, I was slated to run. It was going to be one of my three marathon majors. 
none of my three marathon majors this year have been immune to uh, the the effects of COVID-19. Of course, the Berlin Marathon, which was, or the Boston Marathon, which was supposed to be this past uh, Monday, so on April 20th, uh, was rescheduled for September 14th. 14th, right? that's right. 14th, and I think they, yeah. they probably did it that weekend because that's during the weekend they register. Okay, they registration right. for the following spring. So they probably go like, look, we need to make a decision if right. we're running in 2020 or right. not. And they didn't want to have it conflict with Berlin, which was September 27th. And then, of course, you had Tokyo, um, which was uh, slated originally for, for uh, March 1st. Um, Tokyo sent me an email this week and said, hey, you can defer to 2021 or 2022. Um, so you they're actually definitely defer to 2022. I mean, so. I feel like it's in some ways Tokyo 2021 is still just as skeptical as anything possibly next month. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, they did say um, I, I'm I'm likely to defer to, to 2022 for a variety of reasons, but but uh, including that one. Um, but but they did say that um, I don't have to. I, I was qualified in the semi elite division. I don't have to requalify, <laughs> which is good news um, nice because time. yeah, because because there's 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 a very small um, number of races that you can actually use as qualifier races for that, um, and only about ten of them are in North America. So uh, so that's good news. Um, but then um, uh, Berlin announced just yesterday, as a matter of fact, on the twenty first, um, they they put out a statement that said that their race as planned on September 27th couldn't go ahead because the Berlin Senate, which is the governing body for the city of Berlin, has outlawed any events over the 5,000 participants or 5,000 people um, until October, I want to say October 24th. Um, That's correct, Berlin. October 24th. Yeah, and so pointedly, a lot of us looked at that and we're like, oh, Berlin's canceled. That's too bad. Another one bites the dust. And then I don't know who it was, but somebody started looking more closely at the language and said, wait, they didn't actually say it's canceled. It just I says mean, we can't fair, have the they, event that we wanted the way that we wanted to. So, I mean, to be fair, the New York Times posted that the Berlin Marathon is canceled. So right. it's not like we just made up that it was canceled. It's just 100 percent. Yeah, 100 <laughs> um, percent. And so so interestingly and I don't know what this says about 2020 as well. Both the Berlin Marathon and the Tokyo Marathon, I, ha- I haven't gotten a ber- an email from the Berlin Marathon yet. Um, I found out about them on social media. <laughs> and, and so Berlin, I think they're still trying to figure out, okay, so it's, it's, it's not going to happen on September 27th the way it was supposed to, so what are we going to do? Um, and they haven't made that decision yet and haven't, haven't apprised us of, of what's going to happen. So whether I'm going to be able to defer or whether they're going to put it off like two months or – or what? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Any thoughts on it, that, y'all? It'll also be interesting to see, not just for Berlin, but for all these marathons that require qualifications, what mm-hmm. they do with people who qualify in 2020. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, for example, like, let's, you know, are they just going to defer everyone to the next year? Are they going to give them a two-year window? And additionally, what does it mean for people who maybe didn't register for Berlin this year, but want to register next year? Are they going to have a very limited amount of spots? Yeah. So, an interesting set of questions that come out logistically. Oh yeah. Oh, I think I think that second question is one of the reasons is one of the many reasons why Tokyo said you can defer to 2021 or 2022. Because if they had said only 2021, literally there would have been no space left in the field in 2021 for right. anybody else except for the people who were deferring from 2020. Right. So um, there, at least it would have been a very small number of people left in the field. So we'll see what Berlin ends up doing. I'm, I'm obviously very interested to see. Um, but uh, but yeah, 
I, I remember being on the podcast with you, Michelle, towards the very end of 2019 and saying, Tokyo, Boston, then Berlin, 2020 is going to be awesome. Yeah. Not really the way it's turned out. <laughs> yeah. Not There's really a video actually, going over. I do Go actually wonder if you have a deferment window where you can choose a year, how that spreads out, you know, how many more people might run than ordinarily if they accept the qualifiers and they don't disturb that for the next two years. I think the only race where that would present a problem really is, is Boston because it's literally the town of Hopton that cannot hold mm -hmm. more than X amount of runners. I mean, when you look at right. Tokyo or Berlin or Chicago or New York city, they can add another 10 corrals. They can move the start time up earlier. They can stagger the start time later. I mean, the only race where it really gets scary and maybe that's because I want to run it and I'm currently qualified and I don't think mm -hmm. there's actually going to be a race in this qualification window, but they can't just take everybody and say, Oh, you can show up in 2021. And we're going to let everybody who was going to register in September for next spring register also. They could spread it out two years, but even then, that would be if everybody who qualified this year who might not get to run, that's 15,000 people over additional each race each year for two years. And I just don't think, like, they can't legally do that. Like, the, the roads can't hold it. Right. So I wish yeah. I was running any other world marathon major besides Boston. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, I don't I, I mean, I don't know what to say, because I mean, every I, I agree with the logic of everything you just said. And and when what's more, I mean, you, you can't you can't kick the can continually down the road. Right. You know what I mean? With right. Boston, you, you, you can't say, OK, well, we're going to take everybody who would have run in 2020 and put them in 2021 and everybody right. that would have run in 2021 and 2022. Like you can't do that perpetually. Right. You know, the, the, it has to stop there has somewhere. To be some end game to the 2020 qualifiers. Right. Right. I, I, I hope it's an end game that allow, that enables you, if you don't get to run in 2020, that, that enables you to run in 2021. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, Patrick, have you watched any of The Last Dance? I have not, actually. <laughs> uh, I've been saving it. But to prep for it, I have been reading the quintessential Michael Jordan biography by David Halberstam. Oh, okay. So, some have called him the Michael Jordan of sports writing, a.k.a. the best American sports writer to ever live. And writing about Michael, the Michael Jordan of writing, writing about Michael Jordan himself, it's a good combo. <laughs> right on. I highly Very recommend good. it. I, I would say it's the kind of biography that even someone like you who's not a sports fan would enjoy. Um, he's more a historian than like an actual like sports writer. And then he'll, okay. in, in between stints of being like a part of the White House Corp, he would then write like a more of a fun, lighthearted book. How or, am I not a sports fan? I'm not, not a sports fan. It's like, this is not... I, I, I I'm not I'm not a football fan. That's an that's an that's an important football, distinction. Basketball, baseball, soccer. I, I, I follow okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for me to argue that point because you're probably right. Yeah. Maybe traditional. Um, Maybe that was the, I, 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 I definitely don't follow them uh, to the degree that I follow endurance sports and, and, and yeah. that, that that's for sure. Um, I did have the the neighborhood kids yesterday, or not yesterday, last week. We were walking past their house, my sons and I were, and and they kind of came out to the end of their driveway, and we're standing out in the road, you know, maintaining our, our social distance, of course. Um, and they, they looked at me, and they said, what sports do you cheer for? Um, and, and what they were trying to ask me is, like, what team do I like? They wanted me right. to say University of Georgia, and, of course, I went to Georgia Tech, and 
and they just went to town on me after they found that out. But but anyway, we're talking about a, a second grader, uh, a first grader, and a, and a four-year-old, by the way. Um, um, but the uh, the the second grader said, "What sports?" Or the first grader said, "What sports do you or what sports do you like?" And I said, "I mostly like like running and cycling and, and that kind of, and triathlon, those sorts of sports." The girl looked at me like I was insane, like I was yeah. insane. I I haven't had a child look at me that way. I don't know the last time I had a child look at me that way. I mean, just completely like I had said something. Like I had landed from Mars just right then. Um, but anyway, they're, they're, they're much more traditional sports fans, if you will. Um, but anyway, I've heard Patrick, by the way, uh, I only brought up the last dance because of course it just started uh, a couple days ago and you had mentioned that you were looking forward to it about things that bring us joy. And uh, I wanted to hear, I've heard it's good. Uh, the people I know that watch it have said it's really, really good. Yeah, I've heard it's remarkable. And it, it's kind of like, just like we talked about with the Yeti challenge, you can tell like, it, I think it airs Sunday nights. Um, mm -hmm. And it's almost like Game of Thrones or any live sporting event where social media blows up with commentary for a few hours after the airtime. So I'll be right. catching up hopefully this weekend. Right um, but, but the real point is you could tell it's filling that gap because, right. I mean, honestly, just the story of Jordan and that team was really unlike just about any other in American sports. I mean, he was more popular or more recognizable than the president or some other, you know, stat that they had going out there like that. Right on. Right on. Very cool. Very cool. I look forward to it. And they're actually, I, I read, and I, I, I should have verified this before I actually say it out loud on the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. I read that, that because Netflix is the uh, North American distributor of, of ESPN, which surprised me a little bit, that Netflix is actually putting them onto their platform only a few hours after they air on ESPN. And so the first two episodes were at nine o'clock and 10 o'clock Eastern time on, uh, on, Friday or on Saturday, Sunday night, and then Netflix turned around and they, they hit Netflix's platform at like 3 a.m. on Monday morning, um, which is pretty cool. And so for somebody like me who's a cord cutter and doesn't get ASPN, I can just watch them on Netflix. So speaking of that, though, speaking of the last dance and things that bring us joy, that's the main thing we want to talk about. But we knew we had some other news and various other things we we're going to talk about. So we're only going to share one with everybody this week. Michelle, we're going to start with you because uh, yours is fun. Yeah, so I went back on Monday and there was a lot of, you know, prior Boston stuff and uh, airing repeat episodes of the marathon. But the one thing that I started to see kind of retweeted everywhere and Des retweeted it herself was um, sort of her last, you know, 40 something seconds of the marathon set to mm -hmm. the song from the Titanic. And <laughs> I have Michelle, to be Michelle, how does the song go? You were singing it for us before. Sing it for us real quick. No, I don't sing. I wasn't singing. <laughs> not singing on the podcast. Um, but I'm actually friends with Katie, who initially just put the finish to the Titanic song, and literally the tweet went crazy viral. Um, you can find it anywhere. Des herself repeated it. There was an article written. Um, you know, Aaron Strout wrote an article. I was feeling sad and put it in the article. Um, and honestly, I think if you understand that moment and what it was for the Boston Marathon, women's marathoning, American distance running, I don't know how you watch that and just don't like, I'm like enveloped with chills from that. Like I probably had tears come to my eyes multiple times over the past few years watching that. So I loved that it, as things were going around Monday about Boston, everyone's posting, I should have been there. I was there and I was like, eh, I don't really want to post a picture from 2013 and all my posters and all this stuff, but that Titanic 
tweet I watched at least 50 times. <laughs> so. well, it's, it's, it's short enough where you can watch it 50 times. I mean, yeah, and it just, there's something about it where every single time, like, you know exactly what's going to come in the song, you know, <laughs> the song is going to pick up the beats per minute, you know exactly what's going to happen at the finish line, you know when Joni comes in for the hug, and it, you can just keep watching it. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that would bring everybody a little bit of joy. So. Absolutely. I, it, it definitely brought me joy. And I will say this, the first, when you first sent it to me, I hit play and, I, and it, you read what it is and you're like, oh, this is going to be some, some, this is going to be some cheesy ass shit. I mean, you, you, but, but you look at it and it is for an instant and then you just kind of let it go and you just sort of get into it. And then, like you said, it's so on good. Twitter. It's on Twitter. So it loops yeah. and you just, and you, and you just let it play. and and actually i ended up watching it several times in a row as well because like you said it it, it, it's super fun and the music comes in right at the perfect time and and it's the sort of thing too it's only 40 seconds long but you notice something different every time every single time yes and so 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 i i told you i tweeted or texted you back that like as she's getting close to the finish line like the very last uh baa person who's before the finish line, not holding the finish line tape, but probably, you know, 20 yards from the finish line. He's like, you know, this older guy, he's probably 70 years old and he's like pumping his fist and he's fired up. And then right. she sort of almost looks at him and, and that's when it almost sort of clicks for. Yeah. And then she starts pumping her fist as well. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it's a cool moment. Just this guy doesn't know her, I mean, um, but, but he's fired up about it. In 2011, she lost right there, right? Like yeah. she lost on Boylston street by two seconds, whatever it was. So she has said many times that only once she put her fists up in the air when she was, you know, X yards from mm-hmm. the finish line, did she really take it that like, she's got it. So when you can see it, yeah. it's just, it's so worth watching. All right. Patrick, did you watch it? I did. Not only did I watch that video, I also uh, watched the replay on NBC. So you, you, you watched, you, there you go. I thought you were gonna say you watched the, you watched Titanic. <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say I don't know if that's uplifting. Patrick. I don't think I've seen that since the last time Jordan played for the Bulls. But sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I've I've watched Titanic a few times. I will say I am older than both of you. I I was definitely the target audience for Titanic. Titanic came out when I was in my mid twenties. Right. I loved Titanic. I watched it. I was probably ten. I don't know. Oh man, so good. Um, yeah. Anyway, so so. In addition to having to watch the Des Linden thing, you're going to watch that, and then you're going to go, want to go watch Titanic. Um, but in addition, Patrick, you're going to want to go watch the marathon. You said you watched the marathon the other day? I did. Um, it was – so NBC Sports, you know, on Patriots Day or, you know, Marathon Monday, they aired all the Boston Marathons 2014, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, all kind of back-to-back starting at like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they each aired for about two and a half, three hours. And so I just had it on in the background while I was working. Mm-hmm. And the one I paid most attention to was definitely 2018 for two reasons. One, because I just kept saying to myself, thank God I'm not having to run that race again. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we're not having to be in that downpour, um, 40 degree windy weather right now. And two, just to, yeah, just to live, to kind of relive the desolated race. And it was kind of interesting because since I was in that race, I didn't get a chance to actually enjoy the full moment. Right. I had yeah. seen videos like that Titanic video, for example, but it was kind of a, a unique experience to actually go back and watch the race from end to end in a way I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Um, and in a way I could almost appreciate how uncertain her win was or how unlikely her win seemed 
mm-hmm. from miles like one through 20 or so. I, I don't remember exactly mm-hmm. where she actually made a move, but I mean, for the first, at least the first half of the race, she just seemed like a, some random, you know, yeah. person in the top 20 or 30, but that certainly didn't appear to be taking charge by any means. Right. Right. What'd you, what'd you think about Yuki Kawauchi's race? Oh my gosh. He was, <laughs> I mean, that was like watching a cartoon. I mean, yeah. he just like the gun went off. So uh, on the broadcast, the gun went off, and the and the guy's like, and they're off, and then it just cuts to him like leading by fifty yards. Yeah, I was like, yeah. all right, well, what happened? <laughs> right. Well, the, 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 I, so I remember watching it at the time, and the funny thing about it about his race to me at the time was that that like the rate there was obviously dynamics in the race and so some people would take the lead and then Kawauchi go to lead and then he kind of disappeared and they'd be like oh well that was sure was fun for Yuki Kawauchi and then like four miles later he'd take the lead again it's like wait where has he been how is he still a part of the race and then he's kind of gone away again and then four miles later there and then that basically happened like at the 25 and a half mile mark he moves back in the lead again you're like wait what he's still part of the race and then he just suddenly wins yeah it was crazy uh, both of those races were so enjoyable for for completely different reasons. Uh, both the men's and the women's race in 2018, and yeah, I was definitely watching it. And I had, I think I told you before, like 15 seconds of man, that would have been kind of cool if I was there. And it's such a because I was signed up, I was like, oh, such an epic day. I really missed out on it. And I was like, yeah, no, actually, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay, okay the that I missed out on that. Did not <laughs> do justice to how cold it actually was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelle, what were you about to say? Um, so you're shaking I was your head. Trying to look at our text history to see if I could find where you sent a message about Yuki, whenever he went out the first mile in that race, and then I was like, oh yeah, he's dust or something. Right, right. All it was like sudden, it was like, like four thirty-four is what he yeah, went and then all of a sudden, like, like an hour and yeah. fifty minutes later, the text box is like, like this guy's Yuki Kawauchi. <laughs> Yuki Afakawauchi. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think honestly. Listening to Patrick talk about rewatching it makes me wish I had rewatched it. Um, mm. But I'm sure we can find it another day. I guess I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, and then I and we shared this on the uh, on the the Facebook page as well that that the Olympic Channel is broad. They broadcasted. They did a marathon. Marathon. Clever. Yeah. On Monday, they did six Boston marathons in a row, and then throughout the course of the week this week, they're showing old Berlin marathons, old uh, London marathons. They're showing old Olympic marathons. So yeah, it's a good week to be a runner sitting at home if you uh, uh, if you want to watch some marathons on the Olympic Channel. So uh, some pretty cool stuff there. Um, all right, so uh, we'll finish up with a thing that's bringing me joy. Um, uh, mine is going to be a not running one, but and it's actually a little bit old. I'm a little bit behind the curve on this, but but I uh, it is something that's bringing me a lot of joy, and I, I did want to share. Um, I'm going to actually share it with both of you right now. I'm going to kind of come on here and share my screen. Have you all watched Nick Heath, who is a rugby announcer, actually commenting on Daily Life? He's commenting on his daily life. Well, he's commenting on things that he sees here, right? Yeah, so right. I'm, I'm going to hit play because, here. Because there's no sports for him to comment on. Exactly, right? exactly. So I'm going to hit play here. And if the, sa- if the sound doesn't come through, then I'm actually, I actually recorded the sound, and, I, and I'll, I'll paste it in here. But, but here we go. It's uh, setting up the scene for you. It's, he is kind of in a park, and he's you know, pretty far away, but there's these, these four women who are walking with their strollers in two-by-two two formation, two up front, two behind, all four have strollers. And then he, of course, offers sports commentary on it. 
So this, the international 4x4 pushchair formation final. And, uh, well, we've got the up-front pair, of course, here, Johansson and Eriksson from Sweden, and they're in with the Brits here uh, in Smith and Black, and they're doing particularly well of staying quite close with them around this very delicate bend. Of course, they're pretty familiar with this course, and, uh, well, that's what saw them become European champions just a few months ago. Great to see them back. <laughs> And of course, he does that over and over and over again with various dogs and with uh, different people he sees walking down the street with groceries and with folks that are that are that are standing in the crosswalk, getting ready to to, to cross across traffic and all that sort of thing. So, um, other commentators have kind of gotten into the game as well here. Um, again, this is Nick Heath is his name. He's a British rugby uh, commentator. Um, his Twitter handle is at Nick Heath Sport. Um, and uh, he posts lots of other things on his Twitter as well. He's a pretty active Twitter user, but about one out of every maybe four posts is a video that he has made of them, uh, of him commenting on daily life. So have y'all followed these? Have you seen any of them? Oh, yeah. I love that dry <laughs> sense of humor, too. He's very to the point. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and he's, and he's also British folks. Uh, can be pretty ruthless <laughs> when it, I mean, you know, and I'm not talking about across the scope of history, which is certainly true, but I'm talking about like, like, so, so with their comedy. Yeah. And so there, there are times when he films people in the park and uh, they would not probably be happy to see themselves being uh, described the way that he describes them. But um, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll call up our old friend, Robert Hudson, uh, uh, the, uh, the friend of the podcast who told us last year about running uh, Chicago, New York, and Berlin uh, and, and get him to, to offer his commentary on, uh, on, on British senses of humor. Um, but yeah, check it out at Nick Heath sport on Twitter. Yeah. That story actually reminds me about one other thing I learned while watching, rewatching the uh, Boston marathon here. So I was, I, I did it on the background and the guys talk, the, the announcers talking, and he's talking about how like graceful a lot of the lead pack goes and then it cuts to like a bit more of the average Joe. And it's actually me. Like I literally what? see myself on the screen and the guy says up to the effect of, as you can see, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a graceful athlete to run the Boston Marathon. <laughs> right on. I'm like, I look like dead. I got the head bob going and everything. And it's about a two second clip. And then it cuts back to the leaders. And I'm like, well, there we go. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, here, here, here is the epitome of was, the average Joe athlete. There he is. Yeah. All right, now 20, back, back, back to the real athletes. It was the 2016 one. Um, yeah, so my little claim to fame there, I guess. Very nice. That was in the 2016. We're going to have to dig that up. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right on, right on. Uh, Michelle, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. All right, Patrick, thanks you too. Um, stay safe, everybody. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. And you can always download our podcast from Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, at Facebook, facebook.com slash performance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. You can check out Blue Pineapple Travel at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, SlayerX. You can find them at slayerx.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash here4slayerx, that's the number four, here4slayerx. 
on Instagram at here for SlayRx. Again, the number four, and on Twitter at official SlayRx. Don't forget the discount code Pleasant2020. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger and Michelle Frank, this is George Darden. We appreciate you joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. <laughs>